Welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at vkcwest.com. What we do every year on this Sunday is we do a little bit of review of some highlights of 2022, the year before, and then we also share some vision for the next year, uh, things that we feel like are important to Jesus for our church and our community. So uh, the first thing as far as 2022, uh, we, have, we have a lot to be thankful for as a church. Uh, there's inner stuff as far as our lives, but then there's outward stuff that went out from us. And one thing that I think God did in our midst in 2022 on the inside of us was that he really uh, made it clear that he really wants us to develop that inner life with him. Uh, that, uh, I mean, there was all sorts of things that he spoke with that. Like, for instance, like I took a, I took a month sabbatical for the first time in, you know, 24 years of full-time ministry. I'd never, never taken that time. And in the midst of it, uh, you know, Steve and Season and some other teachers said, hey, we're going to teach something about rest and, and, uh, you know, developing that inner life with God. And so, so there's more of a focus on that. We really felt him speaking, you know, come and develop that inside life with me that each person knowing and following Jesus. And so that's something that happened as far as the outward, like things that we did with him outside of us in our church and in the community. Uh, we saw many people turn their hearts to Jesus in our church in their city. Um, we coordinated and partnered with families and businesses in the community to provide a, uh, a week-long blessing and encouragement for the Piper School District, 350 employees. Uh, you know, and you, so when, when you gave to us and you partner with us and help with that, some of you partnered, uh, you helped do that. Um, we cared for dozens of families in their time of need. Uh, we had dozens of children and hundreds of youth from the city join us for kids games, movie nights, uh, middle school events, and fifth quarter events. Uh, we provided Thanksgiving meals for local families. We provided Christmas presents for children that are in foster care. Uh, we've seen God heal people of sickness and injuries. Um, we met in groups as men, women, youth, young adults, and, and grew in love and Jesus for, and for one another. Um, we had meals and potlucks together again. Uh, whether you're new or you've been around, uh, sharing food and, and spending time together is important to us. And so because of COVID, we hadn't really kicked in those potlucks and stuff until 2022. So we got back in that again. Um, We've read through the Bible together through our Bible reading app. Many of you took part in that. Um, we've welcomed many new volunteers and leaders and staff members um, uh, over that time. Uh, we continued our building expansion. Uh, if, if you don't know, we're building on the back of this building, kind of an L off of this building to provide more gathering space. Um, it will also open up some seats in here uh, because there'll be storage in there and, and it'll be a youth center. And so uh, we, uh, we grew in that in our planning. We've started working with uh, some people that are putting that into place. And um, in 2022, $82,000 was given uh, to that with 60,000 of that given just in the last three months of, of uh, 2022. So thank you for your generosity in, in building that. Um, and then we've had people express their faith in Jesus through baptism, you know, and families dedicate their children. And so the kingdom of God, we're right in the midst of it. The, the stuff of God is happening right in the midst, and it's just so good to be in it with you. So um, one saying that is kind of a vineyard saying, vineyard tradition of churches saying is, is, is that we're worshipers of God and rescuers of people. And I just love it. 
I love that saying that, that, that God would have our attention and then we would, in that life that we're building with him, also bring people into that life of knowing him as well. That we're worshipers of God and, and rescuers of people. And, and that's who we're becoming. That we're giving our attention to God and, and we're, we're helping people in their lives as well. And so um, that's what we want to see more of in 2023. We want to see more of God's presence. We want to see more of his activity, his kingdom here in our church, in our community in Kansas City. And so um, the things I'm talking about today are uh, in line with that. And so uh, a vision has been said that it's, it's like being able to see like a preferred future or it's imagining of what something would be like. So imagine with me a church that uh, receives the love of Jesus. Uh, if you've been around, I, I say that quite a bit because I just think it's so important. A lot of people think that God has this whole list of, hey, get this right and then you can be with me. But the only, there's only one thing that he says. He, he says, come and receive my love. That's just right up there is receive his love so that we would be a church of people just, just consistently just receiving God's love. Um, but there's some hindrances to that. We'll talk about that today. Uh, and then also to a church that invites others to Jesus. That's going to be a big theme for us this year is inviting, um, not just inviting people to the church, but inviting people into ministry, inviting people into a life with God, uh, all those things that have to do with inviting. And then also a church that plays in the kingdom of God. And I don't, that concept may be something that's different for, for some of us. The idea that when it comes to a relationship with God, that we play with him. Uh, I think a lot of um, Christianity happens in the idea, it kind of seems more like I'm in the library, right? And so some of us, we may even see our whole relationship with God that we're in the library. And I love the library. I love studying. I love reading. I love doing that. But, but just imagine if all the, you know, all the things we've heard about God, all the, those things, what if we took that to the playground and played in life? That's actually where the good stuff is. And so let's talk about that a little bit for this year as well. So those things are our focus for this year. Um, and to help us along in these, these themes of receiving, inviting, and playing, we're going to look through a passage in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 18 and 19. And uh, we're going to see a man that uh, is blind, uh, blind Bartimaeus. Uh, we're going to see a crowd that has expectations. And then we're going to see a person that you probably know his name, Zacchaeus. And we're going to look at these different themes as we see interacting with Jesus. And so um, in the passage, we see the transformation of people's lives. Um, and that's really the, the, the key calling card of the church for the last 2,000 years. Like real sustainable, healthy growth of the church has always been based upon the transformation of lives, not upon whiz bang or hype or different things. That is it's the, the thing that really engages the world where people tune up their ears and say, wow, maybe I can have a relationship with God as well is transformed lives. Is that lives will be changed from the inside to the outside, and it would transform the world around them. And so um, for this to happen in our passage and for it to happen in our lives, though, uh, we see in the passage people have to shift their, uh, their approach. They have to shift their traditions, and they have to shift their comfort zones 
to allow Jesus to do what he wants to do. And uh, I was thinking about this because it's really giving over control, right? There you go. I said it. You know, we're all in the new year. We're trying to control our lives and make them fit in the way we want and get better and all these things. And, and yet Jesus says, you know, would you give over control to me? And we, my family and I were from Southern California. And so every year our family is a gift, uh, flies us back to San Diego and to enjoy time with them for, is our Christmas gift. So we fly out Christmas morning most times. And so this time we got there, everything's going good. And then, uh, we were flying Southwest, uh, which always fly. And so, yeah, you're like, Oh, you're paying. And so, uh, so the most amazing thing though, you know, so we were delayed, 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 like every 15 minutes. And then finally they said, your plane's on the way from Baltimore. Like, all right. And so six hours delayed, not too bad as we see things canceled all across the country. We, we, we get on the plane, uh, we're backing up and all sorts of problems and are delayed. And then all of a sudden our pilot says, folks, I have some bad news. And uh, my time because of all of the delays is up and I can't take off and be your pilot. So I don't know what's going on. And so, um, and so I was under good behavior, uh, <laughs> you know, up until this point. And then they weren't saying anything. And so I told Michelle, I said, I'm going to ask them. She says, no, you've been on good behavior. And so I just... I asked the flight attendants, I said, hey, this would be a great time for you guys to set expectations with us, you know, and they said, we have no idea. And then, and then the other flight attendant, the head of flight attendant gets on the thing and says, we have no idea, folks, don't ask us. And so, <laughs> and it's just a complete yard sale. They say, you know, hey, if you want to get something to eat or go to the bathroom off the plane, just go for it. You know, I'm, like, I'm thinking to myself as a leader, I'm like, wait, how are we all going to get out of here? And I'm like, oh, we're not. And so, but, you know, then all of a sudden I told my family, I said, here's the deal. We are driving to, um, where were we driving? Amarillo. Yeah, I had it in my head. I looked the rest of the week. There was no more flight. I said, we're driving to Amarillo tonight. And my boys are saying, no, we're not. You know, and so long story short, everything changed. And all of a sudden pilot, there's a, a pilot crew, this wonderful angel sent by God. <laughs> They get on the thing and say, hey, we're, we're the new pilots. We're, we're ready to go. And, and it just made me think about our lives. Uh, you know, one of the greatest kind of compromises or lies that we can believe is that Jesus is an attachment to our lives. That we just kind of add him to our lives and he just kind of makes our lives better the way that we want them. And he's kind of this genie or person like, oh yeah, you want that? Let me make that happen for you. He's, he's this cosmic butler that's there for us. But in reality, he's like the pilot. See, without the pilot, there was no flight. We don't go because we couldn't control it. We couldn't make it happen. I was on good behavior too, because at one point I had a joke. I was going to say, is anyone a pilot on the plane? You know, so I, I didn't, you know, but, but we got through and everything worked out. But what about our lives? You know, we try to take flight all the time, but in reality to follow Jesus means that he has the controls of our lives. And so let's ask God to do that in our lives and our hearts. And I realize you may be traveling or from out of town or that sort of thing. So let's, we pray that too, that you would take that back into your community, but let's pray and ask God to, to move in our hearts and our lives this year. God, we thank you for just your presence here. We, we thank you that, um, your desire is for us to be the people you created us to be. 
And so God, we together as a people, we join our hearts to yours and say, have your way, Lord. We give you the controls. We ask you to move in us as individuals and as a church this year. It would be more like you. We would grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So in our passage, Jesus has set his face like flint. There's a turning point right about the 10th chapter of Luke. And Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem. And he's going there. He has a job to do. He's going to the cross. He's laying down his life. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do. It's in the midst of that that we view here. And it's like a a boat on a lake. And, you know, they're just flying. And then you see the wake right? And the wake affects other boats. And then if you're sitting on the shore fishing or just, just chilling out, the, they just lap up onto the shore. There's an effect of what's happening and what's going on. And that's what we see with Jesus here. Luke 18, verse 35, it says, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth, is passing by. So the blind man would have had a specific role within this community. Uh, he, was, he was a beggar. And so his job was actually to give people an opportunity to give to God. He wouldn't promote his needs and say, I'm blind, would you please give to me? He would say, give to God, give alms to God. And so he would promote the benefit to them that they would be able to give to God and, and feel better and, and obey certain laws and things. And so that was his role within this community. Uh, most communities would have that. And so he wasn't just looked upon as somebody that was just, just out there. Uh, notice that there was a crowd. In the Middle East, uh, people of villages would actually go outside of town as someone was coming in, somebody of importance, and wait for them. And actually, the farther out that you would wait for them would speak of their greater importance. And you've seen this when, uh, you know, presidents or leaders or people come into towns. And uh, I remember as a kid, the, um, the torch, the Olympic torch ran through my town. And I remember we line the streets and, and wait for that and, and everything and cheer them on. That's what's happening here. And uh, they would have also prepared a meal for Jesus, And so the expectation of the crowd was that Jesus would spend time in Jericho and they would have also prepared a room for him. And and, and this was just the tradition and, and, and this is what Jesus would have been expected to do. In verse 38, it says that blind Bartimaeus says, he called out Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Out of all the verses in the New Testament, this is one of my favorite. Just be quiet, stop. And and he just, he shouts all the more for that. Um, Notice that he changes the title of Jesus to Jesus, son of David, instead of Jesus of Nazareth, because that's who they told him was coming. And so he's only one of one people that we see to give this title to Jesus in the gospels. Um, the other was the Syrophoenician woman that her daughter was possessed by a demon. And, and she told Jesus, uh, you know, would you, uh, I know I'm not a Jew, but would you heal my daughter and cast out this demon? Nonetheless, and it's a messianic term is, is saying he's declaring you are the one we're all waiting for. You are the one that can make things right and fix things between God and man. You are the only one 
not only for myself, but for everybody else. And so that's what he's crying out for. Um, you know, he didn't stop at just saying that one thing. He, he shouted all the more. And it's interesting, the whole world, like philosophers and religions, uh, you know, all of them accept Jesus at some level. And they, they talk about Jesus and, you know, some say, well, he was just a good teacher. And some say, you know, uh, he was divine and some not and those things. But there's lots of talk about Jesus. Um, and it's good to explore, but you've got to land the plane. You've got to land the plane and say, well, this is really what I think about Jesus. Because if you look at the things that Jesus said, he didn't really give the option of just like a neutral, nice talk. He made it very clear about who he was, that he was God in the flesh, come to save the world. And so Bartimaeus here, he actually doesn't play that. He actually just says, okay, I, I, I want to I go all the way here. And um, he wants his life transformed by Jesus. Like he wants to be completely changed. He wants everything changed and he believes Jesus can do it. And so uh, it's the difference between like being out of the water with that wake, like the boat's going and it's making a big wake. And if you're in the water, let's say you've got a life jacket on and you're swimming, right? You know, when a wake comes, it, you kind of up, or if you're in a boat, the wake comes you know, and it, and it, but if you're on the shore, it's just like lap, 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 just not much. I mean, it doesn't really affect you other than you're observing. And so this guy says, I'm not just going to observe. I actually want to be moved by this. I want to be moved by Jesus. And so in verse 40, it says, Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. So notice the crowd that was upset earlier. Why were they upset? Because they had a meal ready. You know, the crock pot and, and everything was ready for the meal for Jesus. The banquet was set and people were waiting for Jesus to come and, and the room was ready and they had done all this work. And this man crying out to Jesus for transformation was messing up the schedule. And so now those very people that were holding him back, Jesus says, you know, get him and bring him here. And so when he comes up to Jesus, uh, Jesus asks him a question. You know, he says, he says what, what do you want me to do for you? What a strange question, right? And we see Jesus do this at other, other times because Jesus will see a person that has an obvious need that he can meet, but he asks them, what do you want me to do for you? Why, why does he do that? Well, because he wants not a transaction, but he wants transformation. He wants to go deeper of actually changing the real person from the inside out. And so that's why he asks him, because uh, until he gets a personal touch from Jesus, it's just religion. It's just like practicing things, going through things in a certain way. Now, uh, here's the interesting thing is he, he, the reason Jesus asked him, I think, was he was just on the shore watching and Jesus says, I want you to go deeper. I want you to go deeper to, to, to really who you are and, and what this would mean. And it, will, it, it would cost him for transformation, as it does for any of us. If we want to be transformed into the person that God would have us to be by Jesus, it will cost us. Uh, this man, he, he didn't have any marketable skills. His only skill was to be a beggar. 
because we think he was blind his whole life. And so he would have had to learn some new way of, of making a living. Uh, he couldn't beg unless he had a visible disability that, that people could see to be able to function within this role that he had. And so Jesus wanted to really go deep and say, really, what are you wanting and what will this cost you? Uh, you know, and then, and then also too, here's something to think about. People stay for years at this question with Jesus. Jesus, I think, says this to everybody. Like if we sense like what the spirit of God speaks to us, you know, and, and it's whether people have accepted the gift of salvation from Jesus yet or, or, or not. Uh, I think we all can struggle with this where Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And we just kind of say, well, I'm going to pause that question where he's drawing us out, where he's drawing out of us like, hey, do you really want me to set you free? You know, these things that you keep with you that provide some comfort for you. I mean, I know, I mean, I'm I'm just like you guys. I have things in my life, hurts that have been done to me and, and things that didn't go the way I'd like and all sorts of um, bad things happen, other people. And, and then there's the stupid things I've done in my life and that have caused problems and, and acting in unwise ways and hurt things. And, uh, you know, and then there's the reason I do those things and all that stuff. And, and, and then Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? I'm like, well, pause that. You know, and then we say, well, if I really were to allow God's power that rose Jesus from the grave to work in my life, I would have to surrender this or it would cost me this. And the trick is, is sometimes it really will cost you that. And other times that thing that you're just concerned about losing, you know, gets better and better. Like for me, I thought, you know, uh, if I just surrender my life to Jesus fully, I'm not gonna have any fun. Wow. What a lie. I had so much fun following Jesus. I mean, following Jesus is just so good. It's where like real life is. It's the real watering hole, you know, where just life is overflowing or, uh, or I'm, it's going to be boring or, or I'm not going to be able to, you know, function the way that I am or all the different things. But what is it for you? You know, maybe you look at today and, and, and you're, you're at the lake, you're watching the wake, you're, you know, or you're at the ocean, you're watching the waves, but, but you're not in the water of like, Hey, change me, Lord change me. And it, it's, it's not that God wants it to do you, you to do it in your power, but uh, he's a gentleman. It's so different. I mean, it, he wants our will, our life engaged with the change that he brings in our lives. And so the prayer that he says is he says, Lord, I want to see. And I think he means in everything that that means, that even if it costs me what I hold so dearly, I want to see, I want to be transformed and I want to change. And, you know, Luke doesn't tell us his name, but Mark in his gospel tells us that his name was Bartimaeus. So they called him blind Bartimaeus and Bartimaeus means son of filth. And, and so isn't that like a lot of us, you know, we, the thing that we want to hold on to or the thing that's a comfort to us, even though it's unhealthy or it's an addiction or it's something that was wounded, we were wounded by or that we just won't let go a lot of times it's something like that, son of filth, and it it provides certain value to us. And yet Jesus says, like, can can I set you free from that? 
Can I set you free from this thing? Will you, will you allow me to work from the inside out? And in verse 42, Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Now we're getting into receive. We talked about, talked about that receive would be a key theme for us this year. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus praying God, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. So the healing was a whole healing. It wasn't just he had his sight, but there was something different about him. And he was now walking around telling other people about what was going on. And then it affected those people. Their hearts were rigid towards God because God was changing up their time schedule. He was changing up their control and they had their banquet and everything set. And and yet now they're like, wow, look what Jesus can do in the life of somebody that surrendered to him. And so... uh, he had his greatest longing fulfilled, which was to see, but it, you know, it changed everything in him. Um, right now in San Diego, uh, where we just were, uh, there's really big swell. And so many times during the winter, you get really big waves and, and the waves were starting to get bigger while, while we were there. Uh, but there's like this phenomena, you know, when the waves get really big, everybody just lines the, the cliffs of the coast and you've got the photographers out there and, and it's a big deal. And you'll see certain big name surfers that, you know, the, the really good guys and that sort of thing. Um, but the ratio of people watching and people surfing, uh, is, is, is just really, uh, skewed. And everybody gets excited. And, and you can, if you Google it right now, you probably see some different places. And I saw one, a, a spot called Swami's in Encinitas. And um, it, you've got these surfers going down and you've got guys out in the water, but then it's just the cliffs are packed. And I think somehow some of us maybe believe that that's kind of how the kingdom of God is. Is there's like, the special people that God does like miracles and healing and, and different things. And they get to be used by God in powerful ways and these things. And then there's like the rest of us that there's these different classes and nothing could be farther from the truth. Another saying I love within vineyard is, is that everybody gets to play because what sets somebody apart into the kingdom of God is the spirit of God and the spirit of God in you is, is no different than the spirit of God in me. The difference can be, though, is, is that we all have a certain measure of faith, and faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger you get. And so that makes all the difference, but everybody gets to play in the kingdom. And so let's look into invitation and play as well. So in verse 1 of chapter 19, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. So remember, it was a part of the normal custom to create a big meal and to create a place for someone to camp out for the night that was important and to stay in the town. And, and so these people would put it all together, the, the highest of highs. Wow, not only is this Jesus actually healed somebody coming into our town, we've put this great banquet for him. He's gonna stay the night. We're ready to go, mint on the pillow. And <laughs> verse one, it says, Jesus is passing through. I mean, I think if I were to put together a couple things, I came to Jesus when I was 15 years old in 1989, President's Day weekend. And uh, 
If I were to say one thing that is consistent, it's this. Within the church in my life is that, is that I do all this preparation and things and all of a sudden and I'm like, wait, hold on. Jesus isn't doing things the way that I thought he would do them. Wait a minute. He, like, he has a different playbook. And it's this constant calibrating of heart and mind and action of saying, God, what are you doing? Because there's all these shiny objects, all of these things that we can get drawn to. And, and that's what's happening here as well. So what is Jesus doing? I believe Jesus is doing something that's a principle, which is you look for what the Father is doing. Look for the activity of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he actually said that at one point. He says, I, don't, I can't do anything of myself. I, I only do what I see the Father doing in John chapter 5. And so in the midst of all this stuff, he healed Bartimaeus, the blind man. And, and now he's looking, God, now what are you doing in these other places? And they're like, well, of course, he, what he's doing is he's doing the banquet and staying at the place, Jesus. I mean, can you get it right? And I mean, how many times do we struggle with that? Just saying, God, this is it. But we don't want to use energy for those things. We want to use energy on the things that Jesus is doing. And so in verse two, it says, a man w- was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. You know, everybody focuses on the height of Zacchaeus. That's not really the point. Uh, he, he was a wealthy person. He was well known. And typically a tradition within crowds like this, they would let important wealthy people through the crowd to be able to get through to the other important people. Is kind of tradition there. But for Zacchaeus, it was probably, you know, elbows and get out of here. And hey, he's going to do stuff for Bartimaeus, but he's not going to be with the likes of you. And he was a, they were called tax collectors, tax farmers, because they were given a certain rate or tax that they would charge people by the Roman government. And then they could add on whatever they wanted from that point. And so it was a, it was a really dishonest system. So they were hated. A common theme was tax collectors and sinners. They were always included within that saying. And so he couldn't get through, but he had this desire to see Jesus. He felt the invitation that Jesus had for him. And so uh, he was probably pushed and yelled at and, and, you know, get out of here, Zacchaeus. In verse four, it says, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So Middle Eastern adults did not, and somewhat to today, do not uh, run in public in this way. And they definitely don't climb trees in this way, or did not. And so they probably were laughing at him as he was running. You know, there's Zacchaeus, what's he doing? He's running away and look, he's in a tree now. What is going on? We know that this would have been on the outside of town. So Jesus really is, the crowd is saying at this point, he really is not going to come to our banquet. He really is not going to come stay the night. Because these type of trees, these sycamore fig trees, they, um, by rules and law, they had to be at least um, 75 feet from the outside of where town began. And these trees had big leaves. And so he was probably trying to see and also hide. It wasn't a great experience for Zacchaeus. And so in verse five, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. 
So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. So his hiding place was not all that good. Jesus found him. The crowd found him. Um, But notice where play enters in, like our focus for this year of playing. Jesus says, I must stay at your house today. Now, I think that a lot of people, when they think of Christianity, that it's like, if I'm going to do Christianity, it's like, okay, it's the library, right? Like, okay, let's, he didn't say, hey, let's go, let's go uh, memorize scripture. Let's go do this thing. And, and hold on. People are like, wait a minute. Like, no, I'm into the Bible. I'm with you, but go with me for a second. What he does is incredibly personal. And maybe they did look at scripture and they were there. But he was saying like, I want to come be at your house and I want to play and I want to eat with you and, and I want to be with you and I want to experience the life that you have and I want to see where you dwell and I want to identify myself with you. If you ate with somebody and if you went to somebody's home, you aligned your life with theirs. And you say, wait a minute, Zacchaeus hasn't even done anything yet. He hasn't even shown himself worthy yet, as far as the crowd would think. But what Jesus says is, I must stay at your house today. Now, notice something. The crowd was against Zacchaeus, but now they're against Jesus, right? I mean, in the the last verse there, they say, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. So they're now turning against Jesus. They're offended. He's not doing things the way he would, they would have him do. Here's the important thing to see. Jesus has now become a covering for Zacchaeus. And all the shame and all the, the, the dirt and all the stuff that built up in Zacchaeus' life and all the out, being an outcast and all the things that he regrets and the things that have been done to him and that he's done, all those things and everything that set him apart from everything else, Jesus has now been a covering for him. That he would cover his sin, that he would cover his life. Isn't that what Jesus does and offers for all people? He protects and he's more than willing to do that. He's always associated. We see him all throughout the Bible. We see God associating with people that seem to be on the outside with others, but they're on the inside with God because it's God's heart is for everyone. And so verse eight, it continues and it says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody, everybody's like, yeah, right. You know, everybody's like, you've cheated all of us. What are you doing? If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So Zacchaeus has accepted the invitation of Jesus. And then now he's inviting other people into it. We say, well, how? he's letting what Jesus has now done in him in inviting relationship with him flow out to others in the forgiveness that he offers. And that he's going to, he's going to pay back these loans and he's going to give it to other people. Like, and he, but he hadn't even done anything yet. And yet Jesus sees his faith 
and everything changes. So in this passage, we see receiving the love of God, and yet it costs everything to gain everything. Jesus told us that plainly. We see invitation of Jesus for people to move away from their traditions, move away from their comfort zones to come to what he's doing. Because, I mean, that's the idea, right? I mean, let's pause here for a second. Jesus came, lived a perfect life. He died on a cross, making payment for the sins of all the world. He got put into a grave and he rose from the grave three days later, defeating death itself and condemning sin into that place. And he never died again. And yet he is at the side of the father, still in that body, but a new resurrected body that he had showing the scars. And in the days afterwards, after he rose from the grave, he would just show up at places and his followers would sit there and say, they'd be talking about him. And all of a sudden he'd say, Hey, and they would freak out because he'd walk through walls and do stuff and, and, and call them to stuff. And they'd be filled with the spirit. He did all these things. So we have this picture of Jesus being on the loose. That is who you follow. If you're a Christian. It is not some hit person back in history, but it's someone that is on the loose doing these things that we read about right here in your neighborhood, in your home, in your workplace, in your community. And so that's the invitation. He says, hey, I know you've got all kinds of plans, but I'm doing some cool stuff. Can you come into it with me? And then we see play where we move out of this place and we, and we walk into that. So really, it's this idea of, you know, I'm getting in the water. You know, I mean, how far can you step in the water this year? How far can you, can you wade in there? So how do we take this home? As far as receive, trade it in for transformation. You say, well, what is it? You tell me. Like, what's in the way? What's in the way for your transformation? What's in the way for, for God to, to, to work in you to make you the person that you were made to be? You see, you weren't made to sin. You weren't made to have flaws. You weren't made to be sick. You weren't made to, uh, you weren't made to uh, struggle. You, weren't made to, you were made to be completely whole. And God wants to work in you and, and move that in your life, but he doesn't do it by force. He does it by his love and he's just waiting. And as we surrender a little bit, he comes in and works a little bit. And he's a masterful surgeon. I look back and some of the things that he set me free from and brought transformation in my life that were hanging around for, for years because of my childhood and things. And, and I, I would look back and when he just things broke open. I'd look back and I'm like, oh, wow. So when I'm sitting there at 24 years old, sitting there at the ocean on this bench and I'm looking at my life and I actually, instead of stuffing it and stuffing the pain, I'm actually dealing with, wow, this is me. That was you just making the first cut. And then years later, when I actually thought about some of these things and saying to myself, wow, this happened and this happened. And then all of a sudden, then there's this day where he's like, hey, are you ready to trade it? for transformation. And so for you, what is it? And I'll tell you too, I was, I'm like, okay, God, this is all done. No, 
He's still setting me free, still working in me. So it's a constant surrender. And then, so after receiving its invite, and so um, to be consistent in this, uh, pray and invite others to know Jesus and invite them into community here at Vineyard. That's it. Just be consistent with that. Pray for people. We have a tool. You probably got it with your bulletin. It says, my top three. And it says that prayer should be offered for all people that they might enter into a relationship with God. My paraphrase. Because I don't remember exactly what the verse says. But it, 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 the exact words, that's the idea. Use that card. Write those names. Write those names on there. You know? Write those names on there and pray for those people and invite them into a life with Jesus, with you. Um, and then two, wherever you go, as far as play, invite the presence of God. You see, he's there. When I first came to Jesus, people taught me, okay, now you have to evangelize. I go, okay, what do I do? And so I'd go and they, well, you just go up to people and ask them, you know, these questions and stuff. And, and I did that and people get mad at me and yell at me. And every once in a while, somebody would just talk to me. I'm like, oh, thank you. You know? And I, I still do that some as far as in different ways, but a lot more what I do, and I've seen a lot better results is that I listen to what's going on in people's lives. I try to see, Jesus, what are you doing? And like we saw family back home and, and I've seen it a lot with family, just, um, you know, family with different views and different ideas on things. And, and a lot more over the years, what I do is we just say, we gather around our boys and we just say, hey, as we go, can we pray for you? And so we invite God's presence. We pray. And I've, I've seen people, whether I know them and it's just in the moment or people that I've known for my whole life, I've seen them warm to the love of God because of just inviting God's presence, right? We can talk about all sorts of things, but it's totally different when you just say, hey, God's here right now and he loves you and he cares about what you're going through. So there's a saying within Vineyard, it's like, can I pray for you right now? So when somebody's sharing, hey, can I pray for you right now? Yeah, let's do it. And so those things, receive, invite, and play. So share time with the playground and the library. Dig in, get in the word, listen to sermons, hear things from God. That's the library. But the play is to go to the playground. When it's better weather, you just see the kids after service, they just, ah, you know, just attacking this thing. Why? Because they've got all this energy and they're going to go use it and they're going to swing and they're going to slide. And that's how Christians are to be is to put into practice what we hear into real life. It's just not meant to be just up here. We're to then live that out. And that's the fun of it. And, uh, you know, to finish up, uh, when I was out there, we went to my mom's house. She lives in Palm Springs. And uh, there's these cookies in my family. They're, they're called Springerly. And I don't know if you'd like them. Maybe you would or you wouldn't. I like them. And uh, from the time I was a young boy, uh, uh, they'd be in my stocking and different things. They're a German cookie. Kind of dry, but they're just good. 
and that you'd, you'd put these forms on the, on the top and, um, you know, shapes, different shapes, not like candy canes and that kind of stuff. They're like just German things and, uh, <laughs> candles and stuff. And so my wife just did this, you know, so, um, uh, and so, but so I've always wanted to make them as an adult because I always have to wait for my mom to give them to me. And so, uh, so I decided I would make them and I sent pictures to my grandmother because we got it from her great grandmother's recipe and stuff. And so I did these things and made the forms and followed the directions exactly. And they were absolutely horrible. <laughs> they, 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 they looked bad. They tasted bad. And, and Michelle, my wife sent a picture to my mom. Hey, he made these. And, but he says they're really, really bad. And she, and, and she, you know, my mom said, I'm sure they're, they're great. And she's like, no, they're, they're just, they don't look right. They, you know, so, uh, I kept them around with my sons and they, they said no. And so we threw them away and then we're out at my mom's and I said, mom, look, I need a lesson. I need a lesson on how to make these cookies. And, um, and so she said, okay, we'll do it. So she's watching me do every step, right? Cause it's pretty simple. And then we get to rolling out the dough and she's like, it's so dry. You know, it's just like, it's like pieces are crumbling apart. And, and, and I'm like, I did it right. You watched. And we had to add different things. But you see, she's the master. She's the master. She's an incredible cook and baker. And, and she was able to fix my mistake. But the laughter was so fun, you guys. I don't know that my mom and I have laughed like that since I was a little boy. Because it was just her and I. It was late at night. And, she, and we're laughing at me. Because how did I mess this up even under her watch? You know, actually she did walk away for a minute and that's where I think I put too much flour or something in there. And, but I think that's a picture of what it's like with God, of what we're talking about, of, of receiving, of inviting, of playing, that he, we're just there with him doing our life. We're putting things together. And, and even when we mess up, there's laughter. He's not like, oh man, what did you do? He's like, okay, all right. I, I, I'm not sure what's going on here, but let's, but let's add a little bit of this. That's the life with God. Let's step into it individually and as a church this year. He's got great things ahead of us. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word today that, that just shows us your life, Jesus, interacting with real lives like ours. And so, Lord, we, we ask you'd work in us. We ask that you'd move in us. Lord, the things that need to be worked in us and in our cities, in our homes, in our families, cannot happen by any other means than by your spirit and by your life and the effects of your work on the cross, Jesus. So we give you our full attention and we say, have your way this year, God. In our hearts, in our church, have your way, God. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you move? Would you set us free? As we sing to you, would you respond back with your presence, God? We love you. Thanks for listening this week. If you are looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, go to vkcwest.com. 